Hello and welcome to a long overdue new episode of the Morrison's Tours Go Southampton podcast. Now, before getting into today's episode, I'd just like to start by explaining why I've been away for so long and to let you know about the exciting reason behind this. So, since my last recording, I've been busy training and have recently achieved the qualification to become an official white badge tourist guide. Now, don't worry to any students that are listening, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm still teaching at the same time. This is something that I've done to kind of top up my knowledge of Southampton um, and to be able to access some incredible stories that I'll talk to you about shortly. Um, and so our, our route that, that I've trained to uh, deliver is focused on the hidden black history of Southampton. Now, as I say, this has been an incredible opportunity and it's been a real privilege to be able to learn about these stories and to lead tour groups on these walks over the last month. Um, these walks are on pause for now until we get some warmer weather back in spring, but I would highly recommend booking onto one of these walks through the God's House Tower website. Personally, my next one takes place in April. Um, but come along and you can visit some of Southampton's most iconic landmarks alongside some lesser known stories which we're now bringing into the light. Some of these include the time Southampton's children led a boycott of sugar in response to the developing understanding of the treatment of enslaved individuals on sugar plantations. Uh, the story of Joseph LaRoche, who was the only black passenger aboard Titanic. And stories like the one of Black John the Carpenter, who made an invaluable contribution to the community all the way back in the medieval period. Back to today's episode, uh, and it slots really nicely into the Exploring Wider Hampshire series. Now, if you live locally, I'm going to continue to share the story of our shared local heritage and... I'll be sharing some of the most fascinating stories from those that came before us and those that have shaped this county to be the way that it is today. So today I'm going to be talking about another place you can visit or may have been to without really being aware of the history and the stories that you're going to hear today. And in this episode, I'm going to be sharing the story and significance of the memorial to Indian soldiers at Barton-on-Sea, which is a coastal village situated in the south of the New Forest. Welcome back after what seems like both an age and no time at all to the podcast with me, Mr Morrison, on a journey to discover your local heritage, the history that surrounds you every single day and a story that connects us all. The timing of today's episode is, of course, in relation to the commemorations and marks of remembrance which take place at this time every year and have done for the last century. Remembrance, as defined by the Royal British Legion, is the act of giving thanks for the people who help to protect others now or have done so in the past. We remember those who have been hurt or killed as a result. Not only this, but through remembrance, we collectively hope for a peaceful future. For exploring the memorial to Indian soldiers at Barton-on-Sea, we're able to do exactly that. And at the same time, we remember the sacrifices made by people from diverse backgrounds and cultures. And we also recognise the power of togetherness that gives strength to our communities, our country and our armed forces today. 
To set the context for this episode, World War I was declared in August 1914. By September, as the conflict raged on in Europe and Africa, Britain called upon troops from across its vast empire to fight. Indian troops fought as part of the British force in some of the bloodiest engagements on the Western Front during the war, seeing fierce combat and suffering many casualties at Ypres and Neuve-Chapelle. These soldiers played a crucial role in halting the initial German advance into France and Belgium. Fast forward to 1918, and more than a million Indians had seen service in various theatres of war, playing pivotal roles in East Africa, and the Gallipoli campaign, as well as on the Western Front. Where does Barton-on-Sea come in? Well, many Indian soldiers that were wounded in action in Europe were sent back to Britain to be treated. In Brighton, further down the south coast for example, the pavilion was transformed into a military hospital for Indian soldiers. While recuperating, Indians were even visited by the King and the Royal Family there. Soldiers' religious needs were taken into account, with kitchens that catered for the various dietary regulations of Hindus, Sikhs and Muslims, and areas were cordoned off for worship. And it's reasonable to imagine that that was a very similar story closer to home, when in 1914 a military hospital in Brockenhurst was set up to care for wounded Indian soldiers. This hospital would later be taken on by the New Zealand Medical Corps in 1916, and that was to care for members of the New Zealand Expeditionary Force, who had also been called upon Britain to join the conflict. At Barton-on-Sea, homes and hotels were repurposed as temporary homes for recovering Indian soldiers, following their discharge from hospitals like the one at Brockenhurst. Hotels there, such as the Barton Grand Marine Hotel, which had only opened in 1910, were commandeered by the army. And newspapers from the time report that some 250 guests were turned out of their rooms to accommodate the recovering soldiers at what would become known as the Indian Depot. To keep up with this ever-increasing number of recuperating servicemen, a large hutted camp was built and this was overseen by the Indian Medical Service. But as well as aiding their physical recovery, a whole a range of facilities were constructed to occupy the troops and to keep up their spirits as their bodies healed. An entertainment hut was constructed, for example, which played host to many concerts. And there's some incredible images that were published in local papers at the time that show the packed out concert hall, full to the brim with a plethora of Indian soldiers, but also even more Indian soldiers crowded at the windows to really take in the atmosphere and the entertainment to catch a glimpse of these concerts that were being staged for their benefit. We know the Indian soldiers were a really common sight in and around the local parish and they seem to have been treated really well by the local community. The local community really took a good liking to these soldiers and almost viewed them as celebrities. We also see in letters that were written both by local residents and the recuperating Indian soldiers that reflect some really positive interactions between the two groups. And it really reflects the way that individuals from both backgrounds learn so much about the customs and cultures of the other. One incredible individual story that's associated with Barton-on-Sea 
is that of Sepoy Kudadai Khan, who was the first Indian recipient of the Victoria Cross. Now, in 1911, King George V had declared that Indian soldiers would be able to earn the Victoria Cross, and that was the highest medal for bravery in the British Army. Sepoy Kudadai Khan earned this in Belgium on the 31st of October 1914. He was serving as part of a machine gun team, and they were able to hold their position under really heavy enemy fire until they were simply overwhelmed. Khan was wounded and left for dead by his German attackers, but he managed to crawl back to British lines. And he was sent back to Barton-on-Sea to recover from his wounds, and he was actually still a resident there at the depot when it was announced he'd receive his Victoria Cross. In 1917, the Barton Depot staff raised funds to place a memorial in Barton to commemorate the Indian soldiers who'd served Britain, passed through the village and resided at the depot. It was unveiled on the 10th of July 1917, and in doing so it became the very first memorial specifically dedicated to Indian soldiers that was unveiled anywhere in the UK. So why is this memorial so significant? Well, to reiterate an earlier message, when we remember, we remember the sacrifices made by people from diverse backgrounds and cultures. And in doing so, we recognise the power of togetherness that gives strength to our communities, our country and our armed forces into today, as it has done for centuries. Thanks as always for listening. Please share these stories. Please share the messages you've heard and use them to explain how we can still today remember our past, our shared heritage to bring us together and bring us closer to each other now more than ever. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now and I will speak to you on the next episode.